Matthew chapter 6, we're looking at verses 5 through 8 in this continued series on prayer. Before we begin, let's pray and ask God to be with us. Heavenly Father, you are good. You're good and you give us what is good. And come to you and know that apart from you we can do nothing. Everything we need is in Christ by the Spirit. And so, Father, we look to you, look to you even now to give us nourishment, grant us understanding, and to, Father, to work in us by your Spirit through your Word so that we'd be formed in the image of your Son. Teach us to pray, Father. Grant us hearts to pray. And may we pray in a way that is delightful to you, and acceptable to you. Father, minister greatly to us. For we ask this in your Son. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin at verse 5, and we'll read through verse 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then Jesus goes on to say, then pray like this, as we looked at before, and he gives what was called the Lord's Prayer. You know, Jesus here is teaching us some real important things about prayer. Because this is really dealing with the heart of it. You know, what's going on in our hearts? What is it that God is pleased with and delights in? And you know, it really does address issues of our flesh. Because in our flesh, we love the praise of men. We love the esteem of men. We love others to honor us and think highly of us. And prayer is one of these incredible opportunities for us to look all spiritual and to press others. So to wax eloquent and to say things that others are are just dumbfounded by, and we think, wow, that dude is good. He can pray. You know, man, he must be real spiritual. And he, meanwhile, we might be impressing our brothers and sisters, we might be really impressing uh, you know, those in, even in the congregation or even our family members, but we're not impressing God. He's not pleased with it as all, at all. I even found it interesting. I know growing up, I'd often go to a restaurant. Restaurants were interesting for me because there you would see you know, a group of Christians gathered and and uh, you just knew what was going to happen. and say, well, let's pray. And they do the deep bow. And then some guy waxes eloquent and speaks all, prays all boldly. And he's feeling like, yeah, now this is spiritual. We're really being a witness to the community. What's interesting, though, is how often I think we're not praying to God, but we're praying for men. And Jesus nails us. We need to hear this this morning. We need this because our flesh is so tempted. We need to be corrected. We need to be taught and instructed. And we need to realize, you know what? We need a motive check every now and then. We all do. Every one of us is tempted 
to gain and try to get the respect and appreciation of men. And sad to say, we use things like prayer that ought to be toward God to do that very thing. We're despicable people at times, really. Honestly. And so Jesus, his words here speak directly to us. And this is what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. You know who he's talking about here? The hypocrites. These hypocrites are the Pharisees and the scribes who love to pray, he says. And they know they're hearing this right now. And they're hearing what he's saying. And he's speaking right to them. The hypocrites, he calls them. He doesn't name them specifically. He calls them hypocrites. He says, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. Ooh, more specific. Who stands and prays in the synagogues? Scribes and the Pharisees. They're the ones doing most of the praying. And on the street corners, well, you've got to understand, this is, we don't relate to this really, but in a re- highly religious culture, a city that's, that's steeped around Torah and the temple, and everything you do is religious in nature, you, know, you would often see people praying. So praying on the street corners was a common act in that day. But Jesus corrects them. He says, you know what? When you pray, don't be like them. Don't do that. Prayers, personal prayers, should be private and they should be sincere. You know, this is, a, this is something that we have to understand. Jesus here is not talking about public prayers being wrong. He's not saying, you know what? If you pray in public, that's wrong. You ought not to. He's not saying, you know, when you pray, it's just because he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, but when you should go to your closet or your room and shut the door, and then your father, will, who is in secret, will hear your prayers, which are in secret. Jesus actually, Jesus himself said, what did he say about the temple? The temple is God's house. The temple, he said, is to be a house of prayer. He himself declared that. And in the temple... There were hundreds of people who would come every day, three times a day. The temple truly was a place of prayer. We can see this uh, being this continuing to happen even for the Christians. The Christians in Acts chapter two, you know, it says that they went and they went to the temple daily. And then it says in Acts chapter three, one through two, that Peter and John went up together to the temple. And hear this: When did they go up to the temple? At the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. So the ninth hour was an hour of prayer. This was a time where even the Christians, those post-resurrection, those who gathered in honor in Christ, are heading to the temple at the ninth hour, which was the time of the evening sacrifice. And, and that's when they would go to the temple. What would they do there? It's said in Acts that the Christians went there and they prayed. And this was a very public occasion. And this is what the temple was in truly intended to be, is to be a house of prayer. Traditionally, if you look up the historical records and, and, and uh, you, you try to find out how it is that the Jews prayed and when they prayed, they would pray three times a day. They'd pray in the morning with the morning sacrifice. They'd pray in the afternoon. They'd pray in the evening with the evening sacrifice. And they actually had names of them, Hebrew names. Name, and the names for the Hebrew uh, names for these prayers referred to morning, noon, and evening. So this is probably even what's referred to. In Psalm 55, 16 and 17, it states, For me, 
I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. This is referring to these prayers at the temple. It's very common for Jews to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and the evening. And this was that Jesus was a part of this. Jesus would have went to the temple with them when they were in Jerusalem. Even Daniel, when they were in Exodus, Daniel prayed three times a day. And if you go read it, it says he prayed in the morning, in the noon, and in the evening. This is his three times a day doesn't make him sound all spiritual like, wow, that guy even prays. He takes three times a day to pray. That's a very common Jewish practice. So public prayers, Jesus isn't against. Jesus is for public prayers. He's just saying, when you have your private prayers, don't just go make a scene about it so others can see. Don't be like the hypocrites. Because in that case, you're not really praying to the Father, you're praying to men. And in order to counteract that, he tells them that they should make their personal prayers a private matter. As he puts it, and look in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So private prayers are to be private, secretive. Now obviously this doesn't mean... That if if you don't have a private room that you can go to with a door on it, that God won't hear you. Jesus isn't making the point that somehow, hey, let's get wrapped up in this and think that what he's saying here is we actually have to have a room. Well, having a private area is is real a good thing. It's an important thing because then it allows you to to have a very personal prayer to God. But he's not, don't we can't get caught up and say, you know what? You know, unless it's in a room, unless it has a door, it really isn't the place prescribed by Jesus, therefore it's wrong. People actually do that kind of stuff. They say, hey, look, I've got my Bible verse. The Bible says, so if you don't have a room and it doesn't have a door on it, it is not real prayer. You know, that, hello, missed the point. Because let's just look at the life of Jesus himself. Jesus, he was a man when private prayers, what would he do? He would retreat. He would go away. But let's find out where he went. Luke 5, 15 through 16, the report went out around concerning him all the more. Basically, his reputation is growing, rapidly growing. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So listen to this. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He withdrew away from the crowds into the wilderness and prayed. Now, I don't know if you've seen a wilderness, but there's no rooms and there's no doors. It's just a wilderness. He just withdrew from the crowds and went to a place to be, a private place to pray. And he does this often, it says. It also says in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 36, Now in the morning, having risen... A long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. The point is a solitary place. Get away. Be alone. He says, because when we're there, that's when the the Father who's in secret sees us when we pray to him in a secret place. A place is just for him and us. Jesus is against showmanship. He's against men trying to attract and gain the attention of men. 
And, and you know what? We've got to be on our guard against this, whether we're pray- when we're praying especially in public. You know, personal prayers are to be personal between us and God. They're not to be prayers that are so that others might check us out and catch us praying so they think that maybe we're spiritual or something. If that's our motive, you might as well forget the prayer. God's not interested and he's not hearing. At the same time, public prayers are necessary. You know, Christians are to gather together and they're to be committed and devoted to praying to the Father together. But even there, we've got to be careful. And this is where I think it's especially difficult because we can become so easily hypocritical. We have words that we say, but we say them not with our mind toward God, but with our mind actually toward men. And this is where I don't know your hearts, but God does. And all of us have to check our own hearts. All of us, you know, have, have I've done it. I've prayed at times wondering what others are thinking of me. I'm not praying to God, I'm praying to men. God isn't hearing that prayer. He's not pleased with it in the slightest. Men might be impressed, but who cares? The point of the prayer is to go to God and ask him to act and work on our behalf. But he goes on from here, and you know what even brings more clarity, and I think even more helpful rebuke to all of us. He also says here in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard in their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This next part of Jesus' instruction speaks to a a different aspect of the troubles that we get ourselves in with prayer. Here He wants, you know, prayers are to be direct and in accordance with truth. They're not to be superstitious events. And here's the thing. It's interesting. I find it very interesting when he says this, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. What he's talking about with Gentiles in pagan worship, what they do is they have phrases that they would uh, repeat. And these these phrases they would repeat over and over and over again and think that by these many phrases and repeating them over and over again that their gods would eventually answer them. I think that what they basically, I, I don't know, um, it's kind of like we do with the, the self-help um, movement. You know, they say, if you just get yourself in front of a mirror, look at yourself, and then keep on repeating and telling yourself that you're beautiful. And eventually, once you, once you start believing that, you'll actually become beautiful. And, and it'll, it'll, you know, it'll accomplish something as if some, you know, even pagan worship, the gods will eventually answer. So it's just heaping up. We think that if we have a phrase, there's a certain phrase, it's like a magic phrase, and if we repeat it, we'll eventually get it. You know, you can actually even hear this sometimes with the phrase in Jesus' name. Sometimes we treat it like this magic potion. And sometimes if you just say in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name, and in Jesus' name, and if we just keep on saying that and say it enough, that eventually he'll hear us and will be answered. We have even mantras in our praying. Sometimes we all have patterns. Every one of us, we start to develop patterns. And these patterns sometimes, well, not sometimes, they always have phrases. We start to develop them. And we can sometimes just repeat these phrases and somehow think that just because we're doing it, that, you know, if we do it enough, God will answer us. You know, another common temptation in our praying is to go on and on. 
is not stop, but just go on and on. As if long prayers have more merit than short prayers. And this is what he says also. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. So not only do they heap up phrases, but they also think that if they keep going, eventually in praying on and on, they'll be heard. Jesus here hammers them. Because he knows that the Father is not interested in this. And even look at what he tells them. He says, when you pray, pray like this. The Lord's Prayer is pretty specific, short, and to the point. It's direct, and it's in accordance with the truth of God's Word. Boom! Pray like this, in this manner. It doesn't go on and on. They're really quick phrases. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's pretty quick, it's pretty short, and it's pretty to the point. To the point. And so Jesus says, pray like that, in that kind of manner. Get to the point and be direct. Now, I want to say something in this regard as well. This does not necessarily mean that we cannot pray at length. Because that would be misunderstanding as well. Because Jesus himself did this. Luke chapter 6, 12 through 13. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. So the night before Jesus is going to choose the 12 that he's going to send out as apostles, he spends that whole night in prayer. Now, if he's spending a whole night in prayer, he's going to stop praying a few short verses or phrases. He's spending the whole night in prayer. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but he had a lot on his heart and mind. He was probably very troubled and something he knew was very serious, very important, and required a lot of attention. And so he gives himself all, all night to prayer. So obviously Jesus isn't against long prayers. If necessity definitely requires it. What he's against is a belief that thinks that God will hear us because of our long prayers. That somehow if we go on and on, oh yeah, we'll get his attention, we'll get his ear, and then you know, he'll hear us. But you know what, there's also something else here that we have to be careful of. Is, mis- is, is not thinking that persistence isn't important. Because, again, this is how you take Scripture with Scripture. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? We have to say, well, what does he say in different places about prayer? Because as we put it all together, all, then what happens is it starts to make more sense. We have to understand what he's not saying. What is he not saying? What is he saying? Because Jesus clearly wants us to be persistent in prayer and not give up. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she wearies me. Then the Lord said, 
Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? So clearly, being persistent, laboring, seeking, knocking, searching, Jesus isn't against. Us travailing, us pouring out our hearts, Jesus is not against. So that's when we hear these words and Jesus warns us against empty phrases and adding a bunch of words, what he's saying is that you have to be on guard, not against long prayers per se, but thinking that somehow by them, God hears us. Thinking that if we just keep on repeating the same thing, then eventually we will get through. We have to understand that when it comes to prayer, Jesus is calling us to be sincere and to speak directly in accordance with truth. He's telling us, stop being a hypocrite and get your focus and attention on God. Because you know what happens, all of us, what we really need to do. You know, prayer sometimes is interesting because when you close your eyes, bow your head, where does your mind go? Well, it can drift off. Don't you have, you know, all of us have empty phrases. All of us say things that, you know, we have patterns. Let's pray, and we start here, and we end here. Oh, Lord, thank you for the day. We go through and the food and the house and the kids and, and uh, this Aunt Mary and whatever the pattern is and amen. And it's like we said amen. But <laughs> I was not there at all. You know, you know I, I've got s- such a prayer routine that I could be asleep and say it. And, and you're just thinking, man, that was horrible. Because what we do often, you know, we say we bow our heads or we close our eyes, if that's what, we're, what we do, we have to focus our minds. And one of the things that helps me is to think about God himself on his throne. It's kind of like the Revelations chapter 4 description, where there's this great throne and this great, the great majesty of God is there. And I picture myself bowed and I picture the throne and the glory there and the angels. Just picturing that helps my prayer be focused directly on God himself. But if I don't have, you know, an understanding or a picture of of God in his throne room or going for the Father at his mercy seat, then the mind drifts and wanders and the mouth moves and the Father isn't pleased. And this is the thing. Routines are good and helpful, but routines often are our nemesis because they actually allow us to check out. One of the things that frustrates me the most is how when I pray with my children, how routine and mundane it is and how easy it is to, you know, because there's a lot of times in prayer you don't want to pray in these, these times when you're with others or say you've got a really routine. You don't feel like it, but you know you need to cover everything. So you go and you start covering everything like you do. And you know you're saying the exact same thing that you said 800 other times. Nothing's different. And what really has to happen is we have to, be, we have to read this, understand this, and be corrected by it. And I think when we have to say, you know what, it's okay to have routines. It's okay to have things that we go through. It's okay to have peg marks in our prayers. But we really have to say, Lord, I need to be sincere. Help me to be sincere. And pray with sincerity and truth and speak from the heart. 
Now, sure, you have routines, but just shake it up a little bit and just think about it and try to say it in a way that, that speaks tr- straight from your heart. Because I think a lot of times, especially in public, we go from being sincere and honest to being hypocritical. Because if we're really sincere and honest, we, don't, we know the people that we're perhaps praying with don't want to hear the sincere and honest part. Because we know the formulas. We know the expectations. We know what everybody thinks about how prayer should go. And so what do we do? Well, we break into the routines and we just go through the motions. Well, one of the things that we need to practice if we're going to pray in public properly is pray privately properly. You know what this means? This means we have got to start getting honest with God. Are you grumpy? Ever? Do you tell Father? Father, I'm grumpy. Are you ever angry? Do you tell the Father you're angry? Are you ever concerned? Do you tell him you're deeply concerned? Are you ever ever feeling rejected? Do you tell him you feel rejected? Are you honest with him or do you just go through motions? And here's something we need to really learn to do is just get stinking honest with ourselves before a father who knows exactly what's going on with it. He's not impressed when we when what's really going on with us is over here and then we go back to our routine and pray all these goofy words over there. That's it. He's not interested in that. You really want to know how to pray? Go to the Psalms. You want to know how to argue with God? You want to know how to be upset? Go to the Psalms. You want to know how to confess your sins and cry out to God? Go to the Psalms. You want to know when, you're, when, you're, when the wicked are really agitating you? Go to the Psalms. If you want to know how to pray from the heart with all honesty, check out David. He is so good with that. Let me just give you a couple of examples here. And to, just to show us, this is what it means to pray with sincerity and truth. And we have to learn this. Because the Father isn't pleased with all this other stuff that we think is holy. We want to go to God and be holy with Him and, and make sure everything's just tight and buttoned down and, and really respectable. Of course, there needs to be respect toward God. There's no question there. But just listen to this, Psalm 10, 1 through 4. Here's David. That's how he starts off. Why do you stand far off, O God? Why are you so distant? In other words, that's the first line. It's not, our Father, thou wast art in heaven. You know. <laughs> he starts it off, why do you stand so far away, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? You see a troubled man? He's going through affliction and God feels far away. So he tells him that. You feel so far away, distant from me. The wicked in his pride persecute the poor. That ticks me off. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. And the psalm just keeps going on. And he's ripped off. And he's letting God know it. Or here's another one. Psalm 13, 1 through 4. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? 
Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. So he, and he keeps on going on. And here's the thing. He's wor- using words like lest and all this stuff in the scriptures. That's not how we speak. But he is being honest and sincere. And that's what we need to learn how to do. Even in confessing sin. Listen to how he confesses sin in, in Psalm 38, 1 through 8. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply. He's talking about what's happening and going on inside of him and how he feels. He says, and your, your hand presses me down. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Now there's a man who's being descriptive of all the sensations of feelings that are going on inside of him because of his sin. And he's just laying it out there before God. And he's crying out to God. Man, there's the honesty, the sincerity with which he speaks. So let me ask you, when you pray, do you pray to the Father from your heart, in all honesty and sincerity? Or do you go through your emotions with your pious platitudes and just say the right things because that's what you're supposed to do? There's a big difference. You need a place where you can get away and be private. And you need to be able to pour out your heart before God. If you're being impatient, if you're being unkind, if you're being unloving, if you're, being, if you're upset, if you're agitated, if you're angry, if you're bummed, if you're cast down, if you're troubled, if you're depressed, whatever you are, tell God. Tell Him. And then look to Him for everything you need. Look to Him to provide you the strength the courage, the peace, the patience, the love, the kindness. Look for Him to transform your heart. Cry out to Him. Be honest to Him. Cast your cares upon Him. That's the only thing He's really truly interested in from you. He wants your honesty, your sincerity, and to stop faking it with Him and to be real. We all need this. We all need to get, get away, get private, and just pour our hearts out to God. And look, He knows. He knows our hearts. He knows the inward thoughts, the imaginations of, of each particular person. He's not pleased with pious platitudes. He's not pleased with our many phrases. He's not pleased with our addition of words. He's not pleased with our going through these Holy motions. He's pleased when we go away to Him in private and pour out our hearts to Him 
and look to him to give us all that we need. That's praying in sincerity and truth. Amen. Father, Father, hear us. Teach us to pray and to be honest, to be sincere, and to stop faking it. We ask it in Christ. Amen.